Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2. Last week we were talking about how Jesus is better than the uh, angels and he's better than many, many things. A whole list of them that I read off to you that go throughout the book of Hebrews. And um, very, very important that you read the Bible and read it. Try, try not to pick out a favorite spot out of Hebrews and just go there and read something like, let's just say, Hebrews 4. When you're studying the Word of God, think of all of these epistles as letters that were written continuously from start to finish and try to forget that we have chapters and verses in here. And just read it as a letter. Because when you get to chapter 2, it says, therefore. Now that, therefore, is there for the purpose of what we just read in chapter 1. And if you don't know what chapter 1 says, then you're going to be a little bit lost in what chapter 2 says. Now, I've read all of chapter 1 over the past couple of Sundays, even a little bit into chapter 2, and then we kind of went back last week and broke it down a little bit more. And so I'm going to try to read without interrupting myself too much. And I'm going to go ahead and go on back to verse 4 and read for a little bit being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance. This is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels, he, as he hath by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. Now think about angels and names of angels. Don't have a whole lot of them, but all of them have names. Think about Michael. Michael, he was the one who was the leader of God's army, all-powerful. Jesus is even more powerful than him. Think about Gabriel and what Gabriel did. He brought messages to people. He brought some awesome messages to people. But Jesus is better than Gabriel because He is the Word. Capital W, Word. For unto which of the angels said He at any time, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten Thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when He bringeth in the first begotten into the world, He saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, 
and the heavens are the works of thy hands, thine hands, Jesus is better than the angels. He has created everything. That's Jesus we're talking about. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doeth a garment. And as a vesture shall thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years, years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now we're to the therefore. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. What, what does we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip? Think about that. Now let me read a little bit more before I start breaking that down. For, and, and when you see the word for in the King James Bible, it's usually because if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, so what that's saying is, if the words that the angels brought were very real words and meant something, and that because of what they brought, we were to do things, whether obedience or disobedience, and if we obeyed, we got good for that, and when we disobeyed, we got bad. Think about all of that. Think about all the times that angels showed up and how people were scared of them, thinking, they, oh, I saw an angel, I'm going to die. It's like, no, idiot. Uh, you're not going to die. There's a reason for all this. You know, there's all these things that you see throughout the Word of God where when you saw an angel, it was magnificent. And if all of that was so amazing and true, three, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers or different miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. All right? All of those things that the angels talked about, all the things that the Old Testament, the book, uh, the law of Moses and all of the Psalms and the Proverbs and all the prophets and everything was looking toward Jesus. And if all those other things were so magnificent and perfect, and, and we miss Jesus out of all of this, then we're going to... Notice it says neglect in verse 3. All right, back to we ought to give the more earnest heed. I was reading, 
I can't remember who I was reading, but he was talking about how that, the meaning of that would be what uh, a sailor of a big ship trying to get it into the harbor, that would be some of the terminology and what it meant. I don't know if you've ever uh, operated a boat. Think about a sailboat and the winds blowing those sails and having to know how to turn those so the wind doesn't take you past your safe harbor. I can remember being at the Outer Banks and getting our kayaks out and going down to the sound. We were over on the sound, calm. The wind was blowing, and we got out there on our kayaks, and we were paddling, and the next thing we knew, we were way down. And we, we looked up and was like, how did we get all the way down here? And we started paddling, trying to get back. And we, it, it, we almost panicked a bit because we, could, we didn't realize how much the wind would carry us away. So if, you, if you've ever been on a, just something as simple as a bass boat trying to get it back to the dock and trying to keep from running into it, when you're out in the big open areas, it's not a big deal. But it's when you get in those tight quarters. So when I watch a person dock a really big boat, like when we went out fishing on the, on the deep sea fishing, and when that guy, when that captain comes back in and he goes in and has to back into that little slot, you try it sometime and have a million dollar boat you're trying to dock and not hit anything. I can remember uh, trying to dock my dad's bass boat and how scary that little, little boat is. I can't imagine a big, huge boat and trying to put it where it needs to go. When you have currents, when you have wind, when you could run into a storm, and you're trying to get to this safe harbor, which is Jesus Christ is our safe harbor, and if we neglect... All, you don't have to do bad things to miss it. You get that? You don't have to do bad things to miss it. All you have to do is neglect, and the wind will take you right on by. The currents will take you right on by. And you'll be amazed at how far you will drift from Jesus and His way if you, all you do is nothing. If you just walk around and do a bunch of nothing, you're going to be so far removed from your safe harbor, which is Jesus Christ. Hebrews was written, I hope you got it last week. There's a, all these cool things about Hebrews and the way the Bible is laid out. But Hebrews was written for the person who was still living at that time, that had come out of Judaism, all of the beautiful things of the temple and the priest and all the wonderful clothes they would put on and the jewels and the gold, all of those magnificent things. They had been brought out of it to this Messiah who was born in a stable and grew up as a person just like us. So he was made 
higher than the angels, but then he became less than the angels. So he could be like us because God was in heaven and didn't, he, there's no way that all-powerful God could really understand what we all go through until he came down and went through it too. And Jesus showed up. That was God manifest in the flesh. So now God knows exactly everything from, from the time you were born and growing up, being a child, growing into your teenage years, being a young adult, and then finally becoming a person, a normal person who Jesus got to that point and he knew he had been tempted in all points like we are, and he never failed. And we can't say that our God doesn't understand us. We can't say that. Our God understands us perfectly because he came down here to be with us. And if we neglect all of that, we're going to miss Jesus. Verse 5, chapter 2. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? And we know that's uh, David talking in uh, Psalm 8. Thou madest him, here it is, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Now we know that Jesus is way better than the angels, but he was made to be lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. See, when Adam was put into the garden, he had all kinds of glory and honor. That was the purpose of mankind. We were supposed to rule this earth, and Adam lost it. And then we have been living under that curse, and until we are in Jesus, we're still under that curse. You must be in Jesus. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. Even though everything is under him, we haven't seen it yet. Because we're, we're living this Christian life, we're being tested to find out what we are really made of, find out if we really believe what we say we believe. But we see Jesus. That, that is... The, the, the first week I got into Hebrews, a couple weeks ago, that was the title of the message. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. See, God can't die. So he had to be made into a little lower than the angels so he could, he could understand what death was like so that he could be that perfect sacrifice for us. Crowned with glory and honor, he got it back. He got back what Adam lost. That, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Did you know that's in your Bible? It doesn't say that he, taste, he, he tasted death for the few elect. 
It says he tasted death for every man. Every person has an opportunity to believe on Jesus or to not. For it became him for whom all for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons in unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Can you imagine Jesus, when you look to him, understand when you don't miss him, and you understand that he has made a way for each and every man, woman and child, to come to him, and that when you do, he is not ashamed to call you brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto the, my brethren, in the midst of the church will I sing unto thee. Now, that's back in Psalm, was that, 22-22? Psalm 22-22. Now, if you read Psalm 22, now everybody seems to know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Everybody knows that one. By the way, that makes me think of something. A couple Wednesdays ago, I was talking about uh, a movie called uh, The Book of Eli. came out in 2010. And so I, I was talking about it because of ma that, that magazine that I was talking about, uh, the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. And they had a mention in that article about the book of Eli, which was a movie that came out in 2010, one year before the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. I finally watched it. I don't know if I want to recommend it. A lot of bad language in it, a lot of violence, of course, which I knew that I was getting into the violence. But if you, ever, if you have seen the movie... It's, it, Danzel Washington plays the character that's been, uh, God has chosen him to preserve the word because there has been a nuclear war and everything is just obliterated all across the world. And he has taken hold of a Bible and it's supposed to be the only one left in the world. And he's trying to get it to what turns out to be Alcatraz the island where the prison is, and that's like a safe haven. And people who have survived, they have put together a museum and they're, they're, they're collecting artifacts, all these different things. to so, And they know, they have a good purpose behind it because they know that destruction and all of the Word of God being taken away, that it causes chaos on the earth. So the whole movie, it's, it's really depressing because... Everything's just bad. But, and it's true in that if no one knows the Word of God, things get really ugly. So the strong men will kill and steal and rape, and weak people have to hide, and they're in bondage. So there's a town that there's a villain that lives there, but he wants to be in control of the whole world. 
And he wants that word of God, and he's desperate to get it because he knows that if he has it, he can control everything. But yet this Denzel Washington character, he has the only one left, and he's trying to get it to the good people who are going to be able to print it and get it back into circulation. And his goal is what God has told him to do. But what you'll notice in the movie is no Jesus. No Jesus at all. He teaches this young lady to pray, but it's not in the name of Jesus. And at the end of the movie, he finally says he realizes that he hasn't been living by what he knew because he read the word every single day. But what he really got out of it was to treat others as you would treat yourself. Now, for a good society, if that's all you get out of it, wonderful for the society. You've made the world a better place to go to hell from, as Adrian Rogers likes to say. If all you do is use the Bible to have a better civilized world, and to treat others as you want to be treated, if that's all you get out of it, you'll have a better world to go to hell from. But if you miss Jesus, your eternity is not looking good. <clears throat> so this is David in, in uh, where was I at? In verse 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. If you go back to Psalm 22, that is David speaking, but really it's Jesus speaking. Remember how I talked about last week, how in Isaiah, Isaiah is talking to the king of Babylon, but he was really talking to Satan. And over in Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel's talking to the prince or king of Tyre, but he's really talking to Satan. In Psalm 22, David is speaking, but it's really Jesus speaking. Because what David says in Psalm 22, he doesn't experience those things, but Jesus does. So read Psalm 22, and when you get down to that verse in Psalm 22, it's 22, 22, it is Jesus suffering and dying on a cross. It's in detail. I mean, big-time detail. Read it. If you haven't read it before, read it. And when you get down to uh, verse 22 of Psalm 22, it says this right here, what we just read in uh, Hebrews 2.12. And so that means Jesus has been resurrected to be able to do this in the church, to declare the name of God to his brethren, which is all of us, and to sing praises in the church. 13, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Jesus had to be like us. Had to be like the human race. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure or able to aid them that are tempted. That's the conclusion of chapter 2. Now, let's let's, uh, get ready for communion. Now, communion is a very special time. Now, I need you to really pay attention to what we're doing. Because we're going to do things just a little bit different today than what we have done. So I need you to pay close attention to what we do. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm, just, I'm going to start at 20. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What do you think about that? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and that was verse 20. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, if your focus is on eating, that's wrong. That's all it's saying. Because what was going on in the Corinthian church? Remember, the, uh, in Corinthians, it's a book on being reproved. They were doing things wrong, and they were being reproved. So if you start doing things wrong, the Word of God will start to convict you that you're doing things wrong, and you need to be reproved. So what was going on in the Corinthian church, they made a feast out of that, and they would come and, and bring food, and they would. some people who were well off had a lot of food, and they would be sitting over in one area, and then the poor people would be over. They hardly had anything to eat, and they would be sitting in a different area. Some got there before others, and they were eating before others got there. Some were drinking the wine to the point they were actually becoming intoxicated. And this was all supposed to be the Lord's Supper. They missed it. They turned it into a very selfish, fleshly thing. So if we're not supposed to come together to eat the Lord's Supper, what are we supposed to be doing with the Lord's Supper? We're supposed to be remembering Him. So, it is not about eating, but it is about this do for a remembrance of me. You can find that in Luke 22, verse 19. Now there's three other main things that I want you to see in it. We are to have a discernment of his body. We are supposed to think about the proclamation of his death, and we are to think about the anticipation of his return. So I'm going to continue reading. 
Now, those three things that I added to remembering, I want you to try to pick them out as I read them. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. So, see, Paul is saying that he got something directly from the Lord Jesus. And now he's delivering it to them. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death, there's one of them, the Lord's death, till he come, that's another one, wherefore, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, now that's something else, that's another point to remember, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. There's another point that we're supposed to do when we come to eat the Lord's Supper. But those are... Those are little bit beyond the four main things that we are to remember about the Lord Jesus. Now, don't forget about those four things. As just remembering Him and all that He's done for you, the sermon of the body, proclamation of His death, and the anticipation of His return. Now, self-examination and self-judgment, that, that's a point that we need to get out of this. And not taking it unworthily is another very good point we need to get from this. That's, that's a couple warnings directly to us. <clears throat> but let a man examine himself, and, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of, the, of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. There's that other main point. <clears throat> For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That means they have died. But they're a Christian. See, people who are not Christians, when they die, they die. But when you, if you're a Christian, when you die, you're really sleeping. For if we, so this isn't about unbelievers taking it. This is about believers taking the Lord's Supper unworthily because there's things in their life that they haven't got right. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for the other. Wait for each other. That's what we're going to do a little different.
And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So Paul wasn't done with them. He was just giving them some instruction in this letter, and then one day he was going to go and actually be with them. So what I want to do is I'm just going to walk around. I'm going to, I'm going to have you just take the bread. All right, hold the bread. Hold it until everyone is served, okay? Do not eat it yet. We just read that on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave to each and every one of them. And we are always to remember that Jesus gave up his body to be broken for each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did for us. Father, we are right now wanting to just get everything else out of our minds. And Father, we want to focus only on the broken body of Jesus Christ. Him taking our place on that cross. Let's eat the bread. We should be examining ourselves. Thinking about our relationship with our Lord. Remembering Him. The cup represents the blood that was shed. The precious blood of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your shed blood. Father, we're just thinking about Jesus being in Gethsemane. And Father, he was in so much stress that he was sweating blood. And Father, he was all alone. All of his friends had turned from him. They were not able to stay awake and pray with him. And Father, Jesus went to the cross all by himself. And Father, we are instructed to believe only on Jesus for our salvation. Father, we're not going to add anything to it. We're not going to be one bit confident in our own works. Father, we're putting all that aside, and we're trusting in only the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Let's drink. Things to remember. I just want to give you a list of things to remember, and then I'm going to read some words to a beautiful hymn. Remember His name, wonderful, His wonderful name. Remember His works. Remember His love. Remember His affliction. Remember His exaltation. Remember his mercies and remember his words. Now this is a wonderful hymn. It's not in our hymn books, 
but the guy who wrote it, James Montgomery, he, there's two hymns in our, hymn, our new hymn books that he did. But this one here is called, According to Thy Gracious Word. According to thy gracious word and deep humility, this would I do, O Christ my Lord, I would remember thee. Thy body given for my sake, my bread from heaven shall be, thy testamental cup I take, and thus remember thee. Remember thee in all thy pains, and all thy love to me, yea, while a breath, a pulse remains, would I remember thee. And when, O Lord, thou comest again, and I thy glory see, forever as the Lamb once slain, I will remember thee. Heavenly Father, I pray that each and every person here will go out into this world and to tell people that Jesus is calling them. Father, thank you for all that you've done. Father, bless each and every person as they go from here today. May their light shine in this dark world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.